Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, we're here with Bob Colhan, the founder and CEO of Business Improv. Now, Bob has a unique approach to business, and it comes from improvisation, which is something I haven't encountered before. So I was excited to invite Bob on the show. So Bob, can you tell us a little about your background? I'm originally from downstate Illinois, a town called Effingham. Farm country America is essentially is what you can reduce that down to, at least when I was there. Moved up to Chicago when I was 19 to study uh, improvisation as a summer intensive. Graduated from University of Illinois at Chicago with, appropriately enough, a BS in business. And then have been performing improvisation at the highest levels possible, improv and sketch comedy, first in Chicago and then in New York where I currently reside. That's great. So you're an improv guy and a business guy merged into one being. Now tell me, when you're doing this improv, what is it? Like, what do you mean by business improv? The way that we define improvisation is different than how you would use it on a comedic stage. So for business people, the way that we define improvisation is on three core competencies, which is reacting, adapting, and communicating. Reacting, adapting, communicating. Reacting being focus and concentration, presence in real time at a high level. Adapting is if you're doing it within parameters or trying to achieve a specific outcome, like in a strategy that needed to shift in the last 18 months or so. Subroot to both of these is communicating, as we're not in a vacuum. We can always talk with each other or at least respond to our environment. So that's how we define improvisation and business improv, reacting, adapting, and communicating. In a real business, what do people normally do and then how does improv change the dynamics? How does improv make it better? What deep insight have you come to that you led you to believe that business people should be improvising? And when should they do it? And when shouldn't they do it? When should they stick to the script? That's a, a number of loaded questions. So I'm gonna reduce this down to at its core, improvisation is a communication and collaboration-based art form. So if you just take those two concepts of communication and collaboration, what it takes to communicate or collaborate is focus and concentration and presence. It's being in the moment at a very, very high level. And so where we're seeing it quite often, I'll speak specifically in the virtual world right now, in which many of us are forced to, to thrive, it's how do you increase engagement? How do you increase presence? How do you create psychological safety inside your virtual team or with relationships with uh, clients or customers so that people are sharing information with each other and you're actually strengthening the relationship? Because in communication and collaboration, it's all about people. So the focus that we have using improvisation techniques is how to bond with each other, how to connect with each other, how to listen to each other, not listen to respond, how to actually understand what somebody else is saying and then respond authentically in the moment. And this is a specific skill set that can be learned. It's not something that many people are just innately gifted with. Some are better than others, of course, yet no matter how good you are at this, it's something that you can learn. And so when do you use it? Well, when do you have to talk with people? When do you have to engage with people? 
When do you have to shift to unexpected opportunities, whether in a simple one-on-one -on -one conversation or environmentally, circumstantially? That's when you should use it. When should you not use it? Uh, fudging numbers, <laughs> you know, improvising around finances or maybe healthcare, you know, employee safety. Those are areas that I would encourage you to probably create a strong script or plan strategy and then follow it. Or at least as you're following the strategy, if you're going to use the improv techniques, adapting and adjusting to the strategy when unknown variables come to surface. When most of us, you know, have a casual conversation, we are improvising. We don't have a script. We go up, we talk to somebody. So a lot of us feel like we know how to improvise. What do you teach? What is different that you teach that we don't already know? Well, the skill set in order to improvise super effectively really becomes a heightening process to dealing with that under pressure. So when you think about what happens in our stress behaviors, specifically in times of risk and uncertainty, stress or crisis, we fall back on our most overused and overlearned behaviors. Some will even call those stress behaviors. Now, how we choose to use those overused and overlearned behaviors or stress behaviors, that's baked in improvisation. That's being in the moment at a very, very, very high level. So whether you are casually good at communicating with somebody, that's one thing. How are you good at communicating with people under stress or in a dynamically shifting environment, a chaotic environment. How good are you at dealing with pushback that wasn't expected or unexpected questions that they're just peppering with you over and over again that you weren't expecting it to go down this tangent? So the combination of agility and adaptability as it relates to a conversation is really where improvisation can strengthen you, you know, create a strong muscle set around this, which ultimately will turn into uh, core decision making and gut decision making and intuitive decision making and instinctual decision making. So how good are you at pivoting, which what I would say was the, the word of 2020, really depends then on not just your innate skill set, it's what training have you put into place and what game plan do you have in place to be better at this, especially in crisis, as a competitive advantage. Now, walk me through what you would teach a typical person. Like, how would you prepare them for the unknown? Because you don't know that. The way that we link improvisation to business and business improv is specifically through the behavioral sciences. So we study essentially how and why we make decisions in real time. So you can link that to behavioral economics. You could think that to org theory. It's essentially nudge and influence tactics as well as structure, psychological safety to get people talking with each other. So what we do is understand what people want and need and then we create high energy up on your feet experiential learning we create practice fields in other words for people to go in a safe environment and go work out because if you think about going to a practice field you don't go to a practice field to practice what you do really well you go to a practice field to practice what you don't do really well so that once it's game time you've been versed and rehearsed on a number of different plays and circumstances your gut decision making is at, at a different your muscle memory is what we're talking about unconscious competence. Unconscious competence only comes from reps. And that's what we're talking about. And so when we start training people, we understand really what their end goal is on her or his own terms. And then we craft a strategy based in ride the bike style experiential learning exercises that will put them in a position to use these tools and techniques without us and put them in the position to transfer them to other people. Tell me a story about somebody you've taken who 
you know, it's really bad in certain situations. And then step by step, what did you, what scenarios did you create to put them in to get them to like wake up and suddenly be able to handle these gracefully by improvising? I'm going to tell you a story about uh, a man named John. All right. John uh, was part of an advertising agency and he could not get his employees to communicate regularly with them. He, he ran the uh, company autocratically, you know, from structure on high, essentially, almost like a dictator and a tyrant. And because of that, he was having a fair amount of turnover because ultimately I'll reduce it down to that old adage. You don't quit companies who quit people and people were quitting him on a regular basis. So he was having a hard time maintaining talent, even though his clients were certainly very happy and he was winning awards for the work that his agency was doing. He was not able to keep his talent on board. So working with him, and this was much more on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I did work with members of his key team as well as other extended uh, people. However, executive coaching is really the way that we were talking about this thing. We focused on how to really be present and in the moment. Now, you said you're good at communication, and I believe that. I've had conversations with you already. I know you already to be a very personable uh, individual. That's not the case with everybody, though. Not everybody is an expert communicator. And as an expert creative, that's one thing. That doesn't necessarily mean you're great at a day-to-day -day tactical conversation with somebody without barking orders at them. So we were really focusing on what he was doing. And John, through a step-by-step -step basis and through exercises, in this case, he's just playing off of me. You know, we're just going back and forth with each other. I did bring in some of my core staff, my lieutenants, to come in and work with him so I could catch a third-person perspective and then a number of different challenges, we were focusing on using the core tenet of improvisation, yes and. Now that cornerstone of improvisation is globally known. A lot of people know it and they know it pretty much at a surface level, that it's a brainstorming technique, or I've heard of yes and before, as opposed to how much of a Swiss army knife these two words are because they are incredibly powerful and incredibly multi-dimensional as a two-word phrase and so we're really showing him how to use this and putting him through training this way poking at him uh, prodding him in different ways highlighting different circumstances really calling for him to do a proper evaluation of his actions on a regular basis and even end up creating some peer mentoring groups internally including down the lowest ranking people were mentoring him on the way that he was communicating and collaborating. And ultimately, he went from being somebody who was losing core personnel. And keep in mind, the thought there is, how much money does it cost to replace an employee? You know, retention has to be top of mind always, let alone, you know, right now. And he ended up turning that organization into an organization that felt on their terms, in their language, like a family. And he was not only the dad, he was like a brother as well to them. That's great. So he really learned by opening up through your exercises, you know, how to communicate with his team. And you took him through uh, adapted improv techniques like yes and. So he was supposed yes. to say yes to everything somebody says and add something else. And that's really interesting. Now, um, in your own life, in your personal life, what is the biggest challenge you've faced? 
the biggest challenge I faced is multifold. When I was 27 years old in 1999, creating the first improv programs in any business school, in any university, anywhere in the entire world that focused solely on linking improvisation to business, I was told by executives, I was told by uh, professors that, that I have no place anywhere teaching improvisation of business. There is no place teaching improvisation of business. It's not applicable. And so I was one of the only pioneers out there essentially getting you know rocks thrown at them left and right and so the education of people at that time is different than the education now because a lot of people believe that improvisation is comedy and that's an outcome of improvisation you would never go to a, a cooking competition and expect them to follow a recipe when they're opening up a basket and don't know what the ingredients are inside. They can't follow a recipe. You can't follow cooking instructions. It's got to be based in improvisation. And you wouldn't go to special forces either and be like, you have to follow this specific script, even if nobody else is following the script who's shooting at you. You know, you have to <laughs> react, adapt, communicate. You have to break the, the rules and still achieve the outcome, the mission, the goals, whatever it might be. And so with that comes the education of what improvisation is and what improvisation isn't. And that is a little bit dangerous as well because the next big challenge we have is that so many people know of improvisation or even know of yes and that they assume one type of improvisation is all type. Well, I took some a corporate improv program before and it was fine. It was fun. I learned some brainstorming. Great. Fantastic. That is not the end all be all. That's like telling a master chef like, oh, I had a hamburger before. I don't need to eat your meal. It's like no one does that to any other industry, right? None, not at all. Like if you want a great lawyer, you're not like, yeah, my cousin was a, a lawyer for a while. I'm just going to go to him. If you're like, no, I need a great lawyer. I got to find a great lawyer. And that's the same with improv. It's an education process. And that was and I think will be for a long time the, the biggest challenge we face. Every industry has myths. You know, we all believe something, but it isn't true. What myths have you seen that you can pop their bubble? Improvisation is not comedy. Let me put that one front and center. It's not. That is an outcome of improvisation done in a specific context, in a specific situation. If you pay $20 to go to a theater or get online to watch somebody improvise comedy, they should be funny. That should have a comedic value attached to it or entertainment value attached to it. That is myth number one. Think about EMTs, firefighters, first responders. You know, Think about sports teams that in the moment the ball moves the play changes the defense changes you know all of that is rooted in the skill set of improvisation and none of that is comedy and so what we have to do as business people as leaders as relationship builders is use these tenets at a different level that has nothing to do with comedy at all that's myth number 1 myth number 2 is people will dismiss improvisation as essentially well, that's what happens when the excrement hits the oscillator. You know, when plan A goes awry, plan B goes awry, and I have to kind of make shift the plan C, that's improv. It's not. You know, that's you scrambling in the moment, which I guess could be derived of improvisation, yet that completely dismisses the skill set that you need to use to do it at an elite level. And there's enough people now out there who are figuring out how to do this at an elite level. So competition is changing rapidly. And so it behooves people to at least to understand that one, improv is not comedy. And two, improvisation is not what happens as you know result of everything. When everything else fails, this is where I have to go. It should be baked into a strategy if 
you need to pivot, if you need to be agile, if you need to be adaptable, if you need to be communicative. What's the most valuable piece of advice that you have ever received? Great question. It's one that touches my heart, really, because there's two. I'm going to go to two. The first is from my mentor, improv legend, Martin DeMont. Martin would tell not just me, he told every class that he ever taught, which is why I love him tremendously. You are pure potential. You are pure potential. And just that type of phrase unlocks people so much. It just gets them to think about possibility and potential as opposed to where the brain could inherently go, which is think of why things can't work and why things won't succeed. So that's the first one. The second one is from Tina Fey. Tina was my coach for a little while. And Tina told me, Bob, do not be funny. Do not be clever. Do not be creative. Be present. Be in the moment at a very high level and do whatever you need to do to make everybody else look great. I have enjoyed having you on the show and I want you to tell our listeners where they can find you. All right, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, you know, that's kind of like the little hanging fruit there. You go to businessimprov.com, businessimprov.com. We uh, would love to chat with you about anything going on. We also have an online program, an async program. If anybody's like, I don't know if I want to take an improv class with other people or my company, you can go through it at your desk and you'll end up playing off of this guy right here. It's very professionally shot and it shoots to outcomes toward communication, collaboration, creativity, change, dealing with conflict and ultimately creating a culture. So check out improvisational communication or business improv. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.